You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz. Thank you so much for taking time out to listen to this episode. Super excited to dive into today's topic. If you are new, welcome. Glad you are listening. I am coming at you from the beautiful city of Orlando, Florida, and I'm so glad that you are tuning in today. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know that over the last several episodes, we have been in a mini-series discussing the physical resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the resurrection, the the linchpin of the Christian faith, in my opinion. It is the doctrine upon which Christianity is built, and without the resurrection, Christianity makes no sense whatsoever. So it is imperative that we understand the doctrine of the resurrection, and we know that it is historically accurate. Like We want to be confident that it is, in fact, true. And so with the last several episodes, I've dealt with several different topics related to the resurrection. And today I want to answer uh, three attacks, three things that people typically bring up when they are refuting the doctrine of the resurrection. We are going to address the three, uh, three of the most common things mentioned. And so let's dive right in. Number one is called the swoon theory. This is the idea that Jesus did not actually die on the cross, but he just passed out. They took him off the cross, and that as he recovered, he was able to then walk around Jerusalem, and that, that would explain the appearances. Right? The people who who want to attack the resurrection using the swoon theory, for the most part, are people that do not deny that Jesus was seen after his crucifixion on planet Earth, right? These are historical scholars and a lot of experts all throughout different parts of academia that do indeed believe that there is substantial historical evidence to believe the fact that Jesus was indeed seen walking around uh, walking around planet Earth after he was crucified. And so that alone is evidence that he did appear. That, that The fact that there are liberal scholars and, and skeptics that would concede that is a big deal. But they, a lot of times they will say, well, he, he didn't actually die on the cross. He was just crucified and he was hurt, injured, extreme, you know, really bad. And then, you know, he and then he, they took him off the cross before he actually died. So that's the swoon theory. Um, Jesus was, in fact, crucified. I talked about that at length in, with Dr. John Morris in episode 46. You can go back and check that out. But I want to encourage anyone out there, anyone do a Google research on the Roman crucifixion. G- give an idea as to what happened to the person who was being crucified. Jesus was beaten, flogged, uh, you know, he, he was I mean, battered so bad, um, and then to be crucified and hung on a cross, um, the, and then he was stabbed in his side and to the point where his heart explodes, right, and water and blood uh, come out of his side. Um, he was dead, and anyone who believes that Jesus could have endured that and not died to the point where he was walking around and being seen three or four days later, you know, over the next several weeks. I mean, even if he had not died on the cross, it would have been weeks, maybe even months before he was fully recovered to the point where he could walk around and be seen in public. Right? I mean, and the early accounts of Jesus, you know, they didn't say, 
oh, he's walking around bloody. Like, he's being seen with a new body. He's, it's as if he's perfectly healthy. It's as if, as if nothing ever happened to him. Like, that's why this, one of the reasons why this was so amazing. So the swoon theory, in my opinion, is just silly because anyone who does a quick Google search on what a Roman crucifixion uh, was like and what the person endured knows that there, that is not logical, that is not rational, it is completely irrational to believe that Jesus was crucified and then within a few days was walking around at like, no big deal like nothing happened no 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 he didn't swoon he didn't pass out he died secondly the attack that frequently comes is that the disciples actually stole the body okay that that, that and, the, and people who who will who will assert this theory will concede that there is historical fact that his body was missing from the tomb like that that people went to the tomb where they knew Jesus was buried, that he, people who believe this theory will say he did in fact die, he was buried in the, the tomb, they went there and he was, and the body was missing. Again, that's a big deal. The fact that there are uh, very intellectual, well-educated, liberal theologians, skeptics of Christianity that are willing to concede this information really points to a lot of the, the confidence that we can have in elements of the story and the narrative of the resurrection. But, and they assert that the body was stolen. A couple, couple things in response to that. Number one, it was guarded by the Romans. Again, there is historical documentation that the Romans, uh, at, the, at the addressing and the leadership of Pontius Pilate, that the Romans were guarding the tomb. They didn't want someone to come and steal it. So you're telling me that a bunch of uneducated, untrained fishermen um, that were that were scattered and, and they were incredibly scared when, they, when Jesus was crucified. You see them scatter and, and they're, they're all a bunch of, you know, scaredy cats and they're all hiding out from the Romans. And all of a sudden, these guys take on the Roman Empire. They go to take on a bunch of Roman guards. Are you kidding me? Um, you, you're telling me that these guys are bold enough and confident enough and strong enough to take out some Roman guards, uh, push open a tomb that's, uh, that, that, that would weigh several tons and steal the dead body. That just seems illogical, right? It, furthermore, if they stole the body, that means they lied and fabricated the story, which I covered at length in episode 47. It is highly unlikely that they fabricated the story based on the fact that all these guys went to their dead, uh, went to their, their death, because they believed in the resurrection, they they were they faced incredible pain, persecution, oppression, imprisonment, beatings, and in, in just about every case, they, they they suffered some form of brutal martyrdom, some murdering, some death because of what they believe. People don't lie and then die for the lie. Like that's that doesn't happen. People don't say something happened that didn't and then end up dying for it. All right, or at least not large groups of people in in all different parts of the world. Like that's what happens. Like you have. Several decades later, you have hundreds of people all throughout different parts of the Roman Empire, all of them suffering different oppressions, and all of them sticking by the truth that they knew to be true, that Jesus did in fact raise from the dead. If they had stolen the body, if they had lied, at least one, at some point, someone would have squealed. Someone would have given up the, the truth, right? Someone would have said, okay, listen, don't kill me. We actually made the whole thing up, all right? And, and I talk about that extensively in episode 47. The third common rebuttal uh, to the to the idea of a missing body uh, is that they went to the wrong tomb, right? There are some people that would say, well, the early church, they were looking for G the body of Jesus and they went to the wrong tomb. So, of course, the tomb is going to be empty. Or they say things like, well, yeah, there were, there, you know, there was these rumors of the appearances of Jesus and the Romans or the Jewish leadership ended up going to the wrong place and that begins to corroborate. But if they had gone to the right tomb, they would have seen that Jesus was still there. 
This is clearly false, and I'll tell you why. The tomb that Jesus was buried in was donated by a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph was a secret follower of Jesus. He was actually a part of the leadership of the Jewish people there in that region at that time. Uh, but after Jesus is dead, Joseph goes to the leadership of the Romans and says, hey, I want to donate my tomb. I want, um, I, you know, Jesus didn't have a place to be buried. He probably, his body would have probably been thrown into a, a Roman uh, pit. They had these pits where they would just put all kinds of bodies of people who had been crucified. It, the bodies would not have been cared for. It was, they were a very brutal culture, the Romans. And so Joseph of Arimathea goes and says, hey, man, like, I've got a tomb. Would you be willing to, to bury him in my tomb, in my family tomb? Uh, because I, I actually was a, a believer of Jesus, and I want to make sure his body was, is cared for. And so Joseph of Arimathea was very famous. It would have been like a senator in today, right? If, the, if a U.S. senator from your state um, said, hey, I want that person buried in my family my family tomb, you know, all my family property, like you, you, you would have known who it was. So it wasn't like this guy was this nobody. He was known in, in the culture. And it was very well known where his family property was. Everyone knew where it was. So the idea that the Romans would have gone to the same place, the wrong place, is simply is just simply silly. It's ignoring history. It's ignoring what we know about this man. Um, it was so well known, so much so that even into the second century, people knew exactly where Jesus died and raised from the dead, uh, and they they know exactly where where the tomb was. So much so. That in 132 AD, the Roman emperor of the time, Hadrian, comes in and he wants to force all of the people in the second century in, in Judea to follow Roman gods. So he comes in, he kills a bunch of Jews and Christians, he destroys all the Jewish synagogues, and then he goes to the place where he knew the, the holy spot where Christians would often go to worship. And that was at the, the tomb where Jesus had risen from the dead. And Hadrian, in his attempt to basically force the people to embrace the Roman gods and to expel Christianity, he says, I'm going to build a temple to the god Zeus on this spot. And he builds a major temple over top of exactly where they knew the tomb was. So the, the, the location of the tomb was very famous. And the building of the temple to Zeus in 132 AD is well documented in Roman history. Fast forward 200 years to the to a right around 330 AD. By that point, Christianity had spread dramatically th throughout the Roman Empire, so much so that the emperor of Rome himself converted to Christianity, uh, Constantine. He becomes a Christian, and he goes to Jerusalem, and he and he is told that that there's this temple of of Zeus is right on the spot, and so Constantine says, "I want a a church, a holy place built right where Jesus rose from the dead." Well, they knew exactly where it was because the temple of Zeus was there. So the architects of Rome show up in Jerusalem, they start knocking down the temple of Zeus, and what do they find underneath? They find the precise location of where Jesus rose from the dead, and Constantine has them build a church there, which till this day still stands the church of the holy sepulchre is still there to this day in fact it's funny that the emperor hadrian in his desire to cover up the spot where jesus rose from the dead he actually inadvertently preserves it perfectly for constantine 200 years later to be able to know exactly where it was so the idea that they went to the wrong tomb is just simply ignoring historical fact when we consider these three theories in addition to the previous episodes i've done we've got a variety of evidences in front of us just like when we go to court right we don't necessarily know for sure what happened in a particular crime scene, but we take all the evidence and we look and say, okay, what does the evidence point to? And we have to do the same thing here. I wasn't there in the first century. I wasn't alive to see Jesus raised from the dead. I don't know for sure precisely what happened. I have to look at the evidence. And when I examine all of the evidence and I'm honest about it, 
Where does it lead me? What does the evidence point to? And as I examine all of the evidences, historical evidences, logical evidences, I, I simply come to the realization that Jesus Christ did indeed raise from the dead. That is the most rational and most logical explanation. That's what happened. Jesus Christ, God himself, came to planet Earth, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. And because of that, you can be confident in what he said. And he said that if you believe in me, I will raise you up on the last day, right? If you believe in the Son of God, you will have everlasting life. Jesus makes those promises. And because of his resurrection from the dead, we can be confident that those promises will come to pass for us. Man, I sure hope this episode has been helpful, encouraging, and insightful for you. We have a bunch of other resources available. I'm not going to name them all in the episode. That'd be too cumbersome. But if you go to the website, look at episode 51, you go in the show notes, we're going to have a list of several books and several other blog posts and articles that highlight some of the things I've talked about in this episode. So go to the website, check out those sources, do some research, and be confident in the resurrection of Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Again, so grateful and honored that we have so many great listeners. If you have any questions about this episode or any episode, or if you have a topic that you'd like to have addressed on the podcast, please do not hesitate. Shoot me an email. It's heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. As always, our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. <laughs>